0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Jake in the Paint podcast. Today, I'm joined by my dad. We're going to talk all things basketball, mostly stemming from an amazing day of Christmas basketball. Yesterday, I don't know about you guys, but I sat in the same spot from 12 to 1030 and took in all the high level basketball, didn't move, just ate three meals in the same spot and had a great day. So we're here to recap some of yesterday's action, Maybe if we have enough time towards then, talk a little bit NBA draft, and yeah, I've had I I've wanted to do this for a while, but been pretty busy with my own basketball season, junior year of school work. It's a lot, so during break, taking advantage and d- lo- always love doing this with my dad. So it should be a lot of fun. I have a lot of things to talk about. I think he has some thoughts as well. So thank you guys for joining us, and without further ado, we're gonna get started. So first, first matchup, I talked about this with my dad. This is a little bit of the same syndrome we face as New York fans when the Giants have sucked for the past, what, four or five years at least. It's been a while, and but yet the NBA or the NFL keeps giving them primetime games, Sunday night games, Monday night games, Thursday night games, and we always say, yeah, it's our team. I love to watch our own team on primetime, but I feel bad for the rest of the country that, and Rosillo went on a rant about it about a year and a half, two years ago, like after a long day, like the last thing I want to do is watch the Giants, and This was kind of the same feeling. People were complaining on Twitter they wanted to see Toronto play, and believe me, I would have loved to see Toronto-Milwaukee play, but it's always good to see your home team play on Christmas. But with with all that being said, I want to let you guys know that we do have your interest in mind too, and I feel sorry for you that your Christmas opened up with watching the Knicks play at Madison Square Garden.
1: At least everybody was maybe half asleep for most of the game. Yeah, hopefully. and it was a little bit of an appetizer for everything else.
0: Yeah, the that rest, we had. The, rest of the rest of the day was really good, but first I have a lot of thoughts a bunch of thoughts about the Knicks, but a lot of thoughts about the Bucks. Um in the beginning of the M- in the beginning of the NBA season, I was watching a ton of basketball like every night getting my homework done, coming home from workouts, just making the time to watch all the NBA basketball, I was really into it. And now once the season starts, got a little bit less time on my hands. Schoolwork was picking up, so I haven't I've still gotten around to watch like the doubleheaders on TNT and kind of the big games, but I haven't gotten to watch as much of the league pass teams, as we'll call them, as I'd like to. Um, not to throw the Bucks in that category, because they've been on national television quite a lot, but haven't gotten around to catch them and was very pleased with what I watched yesterday. Um, most of it stemming from the transformation that they've made in the past year with Coach Budd. Um, one stat I was looking at today, which... <laughs> extreme like it's polarizing kind of the transformation they made they went from being bottom six in The entire league in three-point attempts and just 24 and a half per game to now second in the league at 39 and a half attempts per game. So basically to kind of explain the significance about that number more three-point attempts you have the more floor spacing you have the faster pace you're playing at and we know that pace and spacing are Giannis and Tedokounmpo's two biggest assets I mean when you when he gets ahead of steam we were talking about it it's basically impossible to stop and it gets even harder when you're worried about all the other guys on the perimeter and you're kind of hesitant to help on him because you don't want to risk a Brook Lopez kick out three so I mean they were by the way
1: can you just roll that
0: off your mouth one more time I mean Brook Lopez (laughs) so Brook Lopez it's kind of started it was like a weird stretch where he was just jacking from like six feet behind the line and it's it's the funniest part because he's a, he's a big man, so he doesn't jump on his jump shot. So it it looks like he's putting no effort into his jump shot, just kind of set shot right above his head from like thirty feet. I mean, and he's been sniping this year. I he we looked at it yesterday. I think he's he's shooting six six point eight per attempt a game. Yep. How what's it? What is he shooting? Thirty five percent. Very impressive for a big man. It's very impressive at that high volume. I mean, so Brooke Lopez. I mean. I'm going to talk about Brogdon a little bit. Brogdon shooting 44% from the line on four attempts. Outstanding in today's game. Um, I mean, and then Chris Middleton, still undrafted and will likely be an all-star this year in the East. I mean, he's been really good for them this year. I just, I really like the makeup of the Bucks team. What about you?
1: Uh, I think it's great. I mean, first of all, you have Giannis, who is mm-hmm. just absolutely epic. Uh, so much fun to watch from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um. As you kind of said, he has a little bit of LeBron because of his size and his speed and his strength. But the second he gets the ball in any form of open space, yeah. it is absolutely—it's po- impossible to stop. Yeah. Um. And he's got such great length. I'd like to see him maybe be able to shoot a little bit better on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You know, I know we've got someone else that we'll talk about a little bit later who played, uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. That if these guys can just spend well, some time, yes. and learn how to really really shoot by my count i didn't go
0: back and check but by my count Giannis knocked down three mid-range jumpers and they were kind of mid-range jumpers where it's like he you kind of saw him like oh do i really want to take this but it's like oh you're gonna give it to me like i'm gonna take it and he his stroke looks a lot better than it did i think the other guy you're referring to ben simmons is it's it's we'll talk about that later but it's kind of frustrating like what do you do well, I don't know, I don't I know think, what Ben Simmons does in the only Well, I think what all
1: these guys do, and I think Giannis is seemingly doing it because his yeah. stroke does look a little bit it looks better. looks a lot smoother. Okay, I mean, but he's shooting 13% from three for the well, season on almost two and a half attempts a game. Well, a byproduct of that is Coach Bud's system kind of, and
0: he said it on multiple occasions. wants him to shoot. Shoot, shoot, shoot. So, a guy like his, a guy with his three-point shooting ability in any other system would not be taking that high of a volume of three-point attempts, but Give respect to Coach Bud. He's really adamant about Giannis adding that facet to his game. And look, you misunderstand the shots you can't take. And I mean, I know it's kind of a corny quote, but in this instance, like, if he wants to become a three-point threat and get dudes to respect him, I mean, talk about Draymond Green. Nobody's going to respect you if you don't even look at the rim.
1: He don't even even look at the
0: rim. So if Giannis isn't even taking them, why respect it? So 13%, well, that's, I mean, the number speaks for itself in that instance, but I I give respect to coach Bud, and respect to Giannis for staying with it and I'm I'm confident that look, I don't, will he ever become a 35 40% three point shooter? No, but if he can get up if to
1: 30%, 28% on I mean, can you imagine if you have to start guarding him out there? Yeah, if, if it's even a respect thing. Like he okay. could he can rise up over
0: anyone even though he doesn't really elevate that much on a shot. I mean, with that wingspan at 6'11", he's going to shoot over anyone. Yeah. So if, you, if you're if you allowing him to walk into a three and he's shooting 30%, I mean, look, I'm, I know that's not an unrealistic thing, but that's a big jump to go from 13 to 30. But in a couple years, I don't think it's unreasonable the way his stroke has evolved since he's come to the league. I don't think that's an unreasonable number. No,
1: I agree. And I think from a team standpoint, if you take a look, at who they have, you've got Bledsoe and Brogdon mm-hmm. in the backcourt. Yeah. Uh, I think they've done a great job. They they control the ball. You take a look at their assist-to-turnover ratio is real solid. They both can shoot. They both can score. Um, I think high IQ players, uh, which I think adds a lot of value mm-hmm. on any basketball team. Yeah. And I think you take a look at how they're constructed. I think they're doing a really, really good job of giving this team a lot of ability to score from different places on the floor. And I think to your point... Space the floor so yeah. that Giannis has room to work inside because brooke Lopez is your other big man and he's not exactly banging mm-hmm. banging down mm-hmm. low as a post up anymore. Well. So it's Giannis down low and he shoots what sixty percent mean, from I mean, inside. He's averaging, he's averaging
0: most points in the paints in Shaq in O three. I mean that's that says a
1: lot. Correct, that says a lot. So I think they've done a great job and they were a lot of fun to watch. And I even started having those jerseys grow on me a little yeah. bit. I know we yeah. talked about that in the beginning of the game that we weren't so sure, but when they at the end of the day, they the were pretty – they, 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 they grew on me throughout the game.
0: But my – and the Bucks have quickly become – I mean, after yesterday, I mean, I'm going to get it, I'm gonna try to make time to watch them anytime they're on TV, and it's not just because of Giannis. While well, Giannis is incredible, and he's very fun to watch. I mean, I love what the Bucks are doing in a day and age when we were talking about it where positionless basketball has become – the point of emphasis on everyone's team like it's all about being positionless but we take that with a grain of salt because teams are so hesitant to start quote-unquote two point guards together and we saw it with new orleans in the playoffs last year and i'd said this on multiple occasions putting rondo and drew bledsoe who in their career have been primary ball handlers putting them alongside each other rondo's more passive drew holiday is wired to score putting them alongside each other and they can both play very good defense was elevated that elevated them a lot to go along with Anthony Davis and that's hurting the that loss of Rondo is hurting them this year and we we said last year oh it's going to be interesting like what they're going to do with Rondo's contract and Rondo's been playing he played really well last night and that, that it's he they're missing him in New Orleans so I really like what they're doing with Brogdon and Bledsoe and while Bledsoe He's been, I mean, Eric Weddle has been the same dude since Kentucky. He's wild, he's fast, he's fun, but it comes with out-of-control plays. And if there's one thing about Malcolm Brogdon, I would say he's steady. Like, he's consistent, he's a very high IQ player. When he makes mistakes, they're not dumb mistakes. You know what he's trying to do. And I think he's very calm, and I think they complement each other very well, despite the fact that they're both primary ball handlers. I think giving a lot of credit to Brogdon on learning how to play off the ball and Elevating his game, I mean, his scoring going from 10, 13, now he's up to 15 points a game. Very efficient. We talked about 44% from three on four attempts. I mean, this team is built really well. Like, they're built for a reason. Yeah. I mean,
1: you can tell. And both of those guys, by the way, are shooting 50%. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, very efficient. Forgetting
1: the fact that that Brogdon's shooting almost 44% from three, but both of them are 50% Mm -hmm. overall. So, uh, the efficiency that you're getting from those two guys is really, really, really solid. Yeah. I
0: mean, and the dudes are bringing
1: off the bench. I mean, my boy Dante DiVincenzo,
0: I vouched really hard for him come draft time. He's had his rookie struggles. But overall, I mean, him and Pat Connaughton, who Pat Conton a athlete, freak athlete out of Notre Dame, kind of proving to people that a white, white man can jump I and mean, freak vertical. Um, And he, those two guys, along with DJ Wilson and even Tony Snell, bounced around and found his way. Don Maker coming off the bench and providing that spacing and athleticism everyone can move and everyone can shoot and everyone can run on this team and so i mean we talk about it front offices it's their job to construct a team that has an identity but yet i feel a lot of teams in the nba lack an identity and the knicks we try to play these hard note with this hard nosed identity yet our cornerstone is kevin knox who we can all agree is far from a hard-nosed blue-collar worker and Look,
1: they—he's
0: a rookie. We're not—we're not getting into Knox, but the Knox—no pun intended—the Knox on him are that he's soft. He doesn't want to attack the rim, which are real. If you watch Knicks, you see them—they're real. He likes to settle. So, but I really—not to knock the Knicks—I really applaud the Bucks for getting together. Okay, this is our coach. This is his philosophy. These are the guys we need to draft, these guys we need to sign, these guys we need to trade for, and Giannis is our cornerstone, and he thrives in space and pace. I mean, space and pace. They go together, and they're the epitome of that in the league right now, and I was very impressed by them yesterday. A lot of fun to watch, and definitely one of my favorite teams in the league right now.
1: Yes, they were a lot of fun to watch. Unfortunately, it was at the expense of our Knicks, Mm -hmm. who are lost as lost can be. Yeah. It's unfair because they're out without KP. Mm-hmm. And you do maybe wonder, similar to what you're talking about with the Bucks in building people, drafting people, bringing free agents in to complement them. It, do we have a little bit of that with the Knicks right now, with Knox and Trier and Dotson and and and, and, and guys who can potentially space the floor a little bit? play some hard li- li- maybe a little bit of defense um, um um well I can tell you for one Kevin Knox is more for his defense and
0: Vonley played pretty good defense on Giannis yesterday so we're going to give him the credit for that but Alonzo Trier also not known for his defense I mean Trier and Knox are two offensive minded guys and my biggest takeaway from the the Knicks yesterday is they have a ton of young guys I mean I'm still going to call Trey Burke young he's only been in the league for 3 4 years now um I mean Moody Ntilikina Burke Knox Vaughnley I mean the list is endless I mean Dotson like, Trier I and mean, it's more it's more
1: B+ plus, B to B+ plus players so than any roster what, in the NBA
0: What I my main takeaway was B+ plus is a stretch honestly Fine. I'm going to check B you, out, minus, I'm gonna check B you to B I'm going to check you at B to Can B+ Can get some,
1: well I'll I'll give Knox and Trier some B+ plus just for what? um th- their their potential future
0: well, I think the problem is you have a ton of young guys. They need to separate, all right, who's our core, who's going to be with us in the future, and who's kind of just not filling our roster spots right now, but kind of, oh, we're going to give them a go, see what they bring. But they're probably not in our long-term future plans. If you're the Knicks, who's in your long-term future plans?
1: Knox. Mm-hmm. Trier. Mm-hmm. Probably Vonley. I don't know about that. Okay. I, I I think he's a serviceable power forward. Okay. Okay. Um, you have no idea what you're going to get out of Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Oh, Mitch I I, I think the the, the Frenchy thing is, let's just get rid of it. I mean, I, it's, I, it's 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 ju- just get rid of him. There's I no don't know. Point. Now I'm 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 stagnant to yeah. to just
0: cross him off.
1: I'm sta- I, I I'm, I, I'm so, hesitant. I'm so disappointed by his lack of what I deem to be, and again, clearly I'm not in the locker room, uh, but I watch a lot of the Knicks games. Okay. Um I they're a league pass team to me just because they're my team. Oh they're a league and, pass team. And I will tell you that watching Nitalina play is is just so baffling. There's a lack of energy. There's yeah. a lack of passion. That's fair. And you're playing in Madison Square Garden and if you can't have passion and energy playing in the garden, it can be controlled. Yeah. You don't have to be flying all over the place. This is- you know, like John Starks did, circa you know 1990. But at the end of the day, you gotta have a little heart. You gotta have a little energy, mm-hmm. and he's got none of it. So he's dramatically frustrating to me. Um, we've had this conversation about Hardaway, and what do you do with him? Well, because man, to me, all he's doing is taking up minutes at this point in time from Trier and Knox. And well, Hardaway, I think I think we can agree that.
0: Tim Hardaway, whether he's in the long-term plans or not, I don't think he is. And he's definitely not in the long-term plans for the price that he's that the, price the Knicks have to pay for him right now. I'm viewing him, I mean, our guy Bill Simmons was talking that he's essentially just a tradable asset right now and kind of poached the Mavericks trading for Wesley Matthews expiring. Who knows if the cap even works out? I didn't look into it. Who knows if any of that works out? But I do like the idea of trading Tim Hardaway to a team where he can make an instant impact and help them make a playoff run, because at the end of the day, he is a very capable scorer. I mean, not many guys can put up, regardless of how inefficient you are, put up the scoring number. Points uh, a 21 game. points a game. And, in and, the NBA. And multiple 30-plus. I agree. He's he's a capable scorer. Now, do I think this is his best role in the, at shooting at the volume that he's shooting at and the, how relied upon he is? No, I don't think that's his best role by any means. But I think he can va- add value to a team... That lack shooting or lack scoring. So would if I were the Knicks, I definitely would explore before the deadline this year moving him to a team, acquiring and expiring, and just starting over and getting that cap space. I mean, I would one of my notes is uh, making Canner a priority to re sign and making Hardaway a priority to move. I mean, I think Canner, look, he's getting paid nineteen million dollars right now. Um Obviously, that's not that's a lot of money for a guy like him. He's a walking double double 15, and a half, fifteen and eleven. But nineteen million dollars is a lot of money for a guy
1: who doesn't isn't an elite defender in today's age. I know, but is let, let's just go devil's advocate for a second. Is nineteen million dollars really all that much money when max contracts are going for fifty? So I I have salary
0: rankings right here for you. Once it loads, I'm gonna pull it up. So we're looking at centers. He's a center in today's nba so we're gonna get anthony davis he's gonna sh- shit ton of money right now so horford is getting paid 28 million dollars
1: which is okay is a, I, i'll take enos at well that's at, that's just at, at a bad 19, con- that's just
0: a bad contract okay steven adams 24 i think he's worth i mean that's a lot of money again but i think he's more than worth it we talked about that he's Really good. Look,
1: he he basically cross checked somebody into the stanchion the so, other day and then came back and got the rebound.
0: So Enos Canner's getting eighteen point six right now, and he's below DeAndre Jordan making twenty two, which is outrageous. So basically wh- the theme we're seeing is these centers are kind of overpaid.
1: Everyone's overpaid. It's that and I'm not being and I'm not okay, I'm but not trying to be I'm not trying to but be into the dick uh, yeah, about but, it. Yeah. It's- that's the salaries are what the salaries are. So, when we say that, you know, Hardaway at $18 million for okay. 20 points a game, Kanner, you know, at, at yeah, but $19 million like, dollars for a, a walking double double, there's actually, sadly, some crazy decent value for Kanner.
0: Yeah, but I, I don't know. Because, like, you're looking at a guy like Capella of $15 million, Vucevic, who's having an unbelievable year at $12 million. just some guy, I mean, Nurkic even at $11 million.
1: Right, but once those guys hit their next contract, they'll li- they'll I mean leave not Prague. necessarily Vucevic. No, but Nursech
0: and Capella. And Capella Didn't Capella just signed his deal though. I don't know. I think he just signed his deal. Anyways, bad agent. Anyways, <laughs> or maybe he has one year left and he's going to expire this year, but I'm not really sure about that. So, but anyways, going back to the Canner thing, I think the Knicks need to make it a priority to resign sign He's been really good for them and I think him and Kristaps play very well together. I mean Kristaps, while he is more offensive-minded, he's, he's averaging two and a half blocks per game. And Kanner controls the boards. Kristaps can protect the rim and be a stretch four. I think those two together, you don't always need to stretch five. I think Kanner down low, Porzingis on the perimeter, the elbow, wherever he wants to roam. I think them two play really well together.
1: I agree. And you know, you've know you got a, a, a project in Mitchell Robinson. I'm you not, don't so, know sure. It, I'm not so sure how much I want that project. It's a project. It's not going to cost you a whole lot of money. Um, and you never know. You never know, but I think at the end of the day, for the Knicks to get better, um, you gotta see KP back on the floor, which maybe we'll see after the All Star break. Uh, candidly, a- as a fan, there's no point in bringing him back. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see the experience and the minutes go to your younger guys. Maybe you can, you know, continue to move Moutier along, um, and maybe he can be the point guard of the future uh, for the team, and you can build, you know, continue to build Knox and Trier. Um, you know, get Dots and some additional experience, particularly if you end up trading Hardaway, see what some of these guys have at the end of the day. Um, Winning is irrelevant at this point in time. Mm -hmm. We're simply looking for a better draft pick, and you can get a good draft pick next year. There's some real solid talent, and depending upon what we see from some of these younger guys, then you compare them with KP and Canner for next year, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you, you might see some progress. Speaking of the draft, one of my
0: notes here was just pray the Knicks get into the top two, so they can draft either Zion Williamson or RJ Barrett. Because with Cam Reddish kind of being inconsistent, falling off, everyone kind of pegged as that number three pick. And I think there's a decent chance he ends up having a breakout game, a couple breakout games, because he's a microwave guy. I and mean, he he told me at the McDonald's game he said if I hit my first shot, it's over for you guys. Like that's that's his MO, that's his thing. So I think there's going to be a couple games, and he. That he's just going to go for 30 or go for 35 when he gets the shots. So I think there's a good shot. He ends up going number three. But do the Knicks really want another wing who's a streaky shooter? uh, Not streaky shooter, but a streaky scorer. I mean, that's essentially – and doesn't play a lot of defense. I mean, we're just taking Kevin Knox again. I don't know. I agree. I don't think you want that. And so then we look past that. Nas Little has been very underwhelming in Carolina. I mean, there's talks of Murray State point guard John Morant, who's shot up draft boards recently. I love him. I watched, I've i been able to catch two of his games against Bama and Auburn. He's been miraculous in those games. But, I mean, he's shooting in the 20s from three on a decent number of attempts. So, in today's NBA, is that a big drawback? Who knows? So, the Knicks, and basically, my thing is, when GMs have to make big decisions and decision times, it doesn't always work out well. Like, looking back on that Anthony Davis Thing. Remember, it was Anthony Davis, was for sure, the number one, and then Jordan had to choose between Bradley Beal and Michael K. Gil- Gilchrist. And his history, <laughs> history tells itself, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty self explanatory. I think, nope. I think MJ would definitely want that one back. I mean, and then
1: I think John Wall would want that one back too. I think
0: John Wall would definitely <laughs> want that one back. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think Bradley Beal would want that one back, probably. I think, I think True. that's, I think he's the True. real loser. Um, so just things like that. I. Th- if the Knicks can get some lottery luck, just either take Zion, who I think is the clear-cut number one pick at this point, or R.J. Barrett, and hopefully after you move hard away, just plug R.J. Barrett in and make him one of your franchise cornerstones. Yes, he's had a couple of shaky games, but at the end of the day, he's crazy talented. So I know we said we'll probably save the draft stuff for the end, but I couldn't really resist. So Knicks just kind of keep losing and pray for some lottery luck, because if the Knicks get to four or five, kind of scared for the decision that they'll
1: have to make if the knicks can get into the top three something tells me a ping pong ball may just bounce the right way agree because zion in the garden in the garden would be epic
0: well i mean simmons has brought this up it's outside of chicago it's all your big markets are like on the rise like the lakers have lebron golden state is all of a sudden huge like houston is doing well Miami is always kinda relevant and then the Nets even the Nets like have a little bit of future with Karis Levert until that entry, but yep. they're on the rise, but then it's just the Knicks who are just oh, they've been so bad they've been theaters. bad my entire life. Yes. They've made, I think they've won one playoff series that one year with Carmel and then they lost to the Pacers. I mean, they've been so bad for so long. So if the lottery is as rigged rigged as they say it is, do I think there's a decent chance Zion could end up in Madison Square Garden? Yeah. I think so.
1: Keeping my fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping for it. Anyways, moving on to the second game. Rockets. Rockets are... I started to feel this way towards the end of that Western Conference playoffs. And yesterday, just reiterated my thoughts. I have basically three thoughts, and they're kind of simple. James Harden is incredible. He's literally incredible. His his strength and just ability to lure you to sleep with his crossovers. And then the second he'll get you slipping, just... Cross and I mean he's in the lane in two steps. Great finisher with both hands, he's very crafty. And I mean his shot making ability is off the chart. It's ridiculous. Um he's averaging thirty-three points a game. I don't know if you saw he's, I did. He's averaging thirty-three points a game, eight assists, he's shooting the same percentages on more numbers, which you usually don't see. I mean, I think if the season were to end today, he's your MVP, and I don't think it's really close. I mean, he's carried that team. Absolutely
1: carried them. He is. So much fun to watch mm-hmm. because he has so much talent. Mm-hmm. And sure, does he jack? Yeah. I mean, I saw his stats from yesterday. I mean, 35 uh, shots. 35 shots, 40 points. But hey, it's Christmas. Yeah. That's it's it's what the fans came for. But no, I think to your point, he is so quick to the basket. He, he has a craftiness where he can get shots off on a lot of different angles. Um, his ability to absorb contact and finish at the rim is fantastic Mm -hmm. it's so much fun to watch it really is you let me
0: finish my other two thoughts so my second thought is i love pj tucker too p not a lot okay you have to really watch the game to understand the pj tucker impact it's not just the flashy shoes i mean he literally makes every opposing star small forwards team on the other opposing small forward i mean he's an incredible defender And it's not only the on-ball, it's the off-ball defense. He's always in the right spot. He's always making the right rotation. He hustles hard, and he just, like, he plays the game like he cares. And if you play the game like you care on the Houston Rockets, you're going to stand out. Well, yes. That's my point. That's my point. And so I love what P.J. Tucker brings, and I think he's really the one keeping them afloat on the defensive end. Him combined with Capella's rim-protecting, I mean, they cover up for everyone else's
1: defensive lapses because I, I don't—they're really not even defensive lapses. I mean, or just lack of effort. They're not even trying. Not even. It's yeah. it's D'Antoni's offense. It's the way. So and then, well, that feeds into my
0: last point, which is basically the style of play is unbearable. Like it's so hard
1: to watch. Well, you I mean it's, you had you had the two worst teams to watch that well, yesterday. It's the biggest it's dilemma. It's
0: It's the biggest dilemma because Harden is so entertaining, but the play style is so frustrating for like a real basketball guy, like it's not even D'Antoni seven seconds or less because Harden dribbles for 15 <laughs> seconds every time. So we're not even getting, like, Steve, Steve Nash, fast pace. Okay, like, I can live with a couple shots, bad shots. It's Harden just low. Like, yo-yo. Yo-yo, 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 but he's so good. And it worked. I mean, took like the Warriors to seven last year, but it's so hard to watch. I know. It's it, so hard to watch.
1: It is hard to watch. It really is. Can we can we touch on one second, one of your your favorite players from childhood? who literally won the lotto and went to Disneyland, oh, Austin Rivers. Could, could <laughs> so that Austin, not be the greatest place in, so in the world Austin for him to Rivers, have landed? Rivers, minus the Chris Paul thing. to
0: tell the story. So basically, Austin Rivers, I think he was 2010 or 11 high school class. So basically, that Austin Rivers class was like, that was when I was like obsessed with high school basketball. I remember it was summer of 2010. So... It was actually the Peach Jam. And I look, I had no idea how the significance of the Peach Jam. I think it was probably one of the first years of that tournament being televised. And so I just remember, I always remember Austin Rivers in neon green hyperdunks just killing dudes. And I was like, I love this guy. Like, he is so good. He's so fun to watch. Like, he's incredible. He was incredible. And it's kind of stupid because he is, like, plays the opposite of the basketball I kind of promote. Like, he's the op- opposite of a team player. He literally never if you think he didn't pass the ball now in high school like his a button was broken It was literally broken he the only time he was passing the ball is if he got triple teamed and he wanted a give and go for an alley you like that was the only time he passed the ball but like i don't even know how old i was at the time eight nine i was eight nine because
1: we went to duke i was your 10th birthday i was
0: mesmerized by him i loved him and then he came to Georgetown prep for the high school tournament and we saw him i saw him drop 35 against the boys and girls team from that's a from the Bronx I mean it was an epic game I loved him and he went to Duke and so I was already a little bit of a Duke fan but he even made me more of a Duke fan and we saw him get the game tying layup. like I bought his I bought his jersey when he got drafted to the Hornets like I literally love this guy and it was so hard because he disappeared in the NBA and he was like the first guy I kind of like took like an attachment to and was like oh this is my guy like I'm I was nine years old but like I credit Austin Rivers for getting me into high school basketball in the first place. Like I remember I looked at that ESPN one hundred for that twenty eleven class two three times a day. Like I there was a one time I can memorize the first twenty guys ranked. I mean that McDonald's All American game was I mean that was a class with him, Bradley Beal. uh I think Anthony Davis was in that class. A bunch of Anthony Davis was in that class and then got a couple of busts that never made it. James Michael McAdoo, Ken <laughs> Birch, just I literally I mean he got me into high school basketball. But so I was excited when he came to the Wizards because I thought maybe he had a couple connections, could meet him, take a picture, tell him I remember him playing the Peach Jam. But, I mean, that ex- is a short-lived experiment. But coming back to you now, I mean, talk about a place where he can thrive. Yeah. Talk I mean, about a place where he can thrive.
1: He doesn't have to worry about playing defense. No
0: defense, no passing, just catch Jack. I mean. And, and get <laughs>
1: rewarded for it. I mean, you hit two huge threes two yesterday. Huge threes You hit a he really th- good
0: game. hit the dagger. Right. Without him, they don't win that game. Probably not. So, yeah. And at the end of the day, happy for you, Austin Rivers. I hope you have a good time in Houston. Um, next, Thunder. I'll let you start on the Thunder because so, I have I have a bunch of stuff. to all say. All right.
1: So my my feeling on the Thunder is this because then I was actually taking a look at some stats in, in in prep for this. Paul George, okay, is averaging about twenty six points plus a game, Career eight high. and a half rebounds. Mm-hmm. And I think about five, four, five assists, five assists, also, also okay. career high. Now let's put this in perspective. He plays with Russell Westbrook. It's very impressive. Who controls the ball? Probably, maybe other than Harden, mm-hmm. probably controls the ball more than any player in the league. Bet you does it more than LeBron at this point in time. And if not, yeah, it's, it's pretty more, close.
0: It's I think it the only I think the Harden
1: might be above him. Okay, so I, I, so he is doing this with Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. So I know you mentioned Harden as a potential MVP candidate. I got to tell it's you, real.
0: that MVP buzz is real. I yeah, think when real. you
1: take a look at what Paul George is able to do on that team, I think it is absolutely fantastic. He has completely elevated his game. Mm-hmm. I think he's got career highs in probably every segment. I, I don't, I'm not so sure, but I don't
0: know about the rebounds, but. The points and assists are career highs. Correct. For sure. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, he, he's shooting the ball well. um. You know, he's shooting the ball about 45% in total, almost 40% from three. On 90, close to 9, almost attempts. 9, nine so, 8.7 yeah. attempts, 84% from the line. He he really is just doing everything. He's doing everything. And yeah. so I have to tell you, I was a little bit, not a little, I was really disappointed that he stayed with Oklahoma City. So because I, 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 I am not, I'm a Westbrook I'm, fan. In so, fact, I'm a Westbrook hater because to your point I can't stand the way he plays the game even though we have this triple double conversation all the time yeah um I I love Paul George I I'm so I impressed did... with what he's done this year so I know I'll never understand why he went back
0: I know why he went back he doesn't he's not an alpha dog that that's the only explanation and he couldn't cuz if he didn't resign with OKC the only place he was going to go which made sense was LA so, are we gonna get into the, LeBron? No one wants to play with LeBron conspiracy, because I think that's real. But I also think it's real. He didn't. He grew up in LA. That doesn't necessarily mean he wants to be in Hollywood. I think he he fishes like he's just a low key dude. Like I think he enjoys his life in Oklahoma City. He likes Russ take all the media spotlight. I'm just gonna. He seems like a chill guy. Like I don't think he needs that LA spotlight. So I think. He's kind of enjoying being the second fiddle. He's the best player on the team. I don't think that's really a debate right now. But that doesn't mean he's not – I'm trying to figure out how to put this. Like, Russ is, will always be the face of the team because he's the alpha dog. He has the ball in his hands. He's out there. He's imposing. But PG is kind of just, like, calm and laid back. But I think he loves it. Like, I think he loves being out of the spotlight, putting up these numbers, and then, if eh, people want to give me the buzz, the MVP buzz. I'll take it, but I don't think that's what he plays for. So I don't agree with that, but we can't make these guys' decisions for them. So I think that's why he ended up going back and I think it served him pretty well. I don't think he does these numbers if he's in LA. I think this is only I think
1: Well, I mean that's gonna go back to LeBron thing. I I don't think anybody does those numbers playing with LeBron. We've seen what he does to everybody else.
0: Correct. Talk to Kyrie. Kyrie the Kyrie's a point guard and he was having it was a struggle for him to do the numbers that he could. So with all that being said, we met. You mentioned all the Paul George stats. There's a stat. I don't know how much credibility this has, but it was on Basketball Reference, so I'm gonna take it. I, I think everyone should take it with a grain of salt. But it was interesting to point out Paul George leads the league in defensive win
1: shares. Okay, I'm just
0: saying. Fair. I'm just saying. Listen,
1: I, it's something. It's. I something. looked at these stats, and I, I honestly, when I take a look at what he's putting up in with, with Russell Westbrook next yeah, to look. him, I, I think it's
0: mind-blowing. I, I have no idea what defensive win shares mean. No clue. He's, like, top five in actual win shares, but when I saw, like, Steph was, like, 15. I was like, All right, yeah, Steph that doesn't matter. But, like, the defensive win shares, I feel like that kind of is, like, your defensive, I, I don't even know how they do it, but I thought that one was a little bit more reliable and he was first. I mean, his defense speaks for itself. He's a really good two-way player. Mm-hmm.
1: So, are, are the Oklahoma City Thunder deep enough to actually be for real? So I was – I like Adams and Grant a lot. I think they make
0: for a very versatile front court. But, I mean, shout-out to my boy T. Ferg. He's been starting for the Thunder for a while now. Um, I think he is, like, the hardest role. So he's only shooting 30% from three right now. But, I mean, everyone who knows him knows he's a lot better. Through, he's a lot better of a shooter than 30%. I mean, but he's essentially a spot-up shooter. He was only getting two attempts per game. So that's pretty hard to do when you're only getting that. You're getting a limited number of reps, but you're expected to be a three-point shooter. And we know Terrence, like, maybe his ball handling is a little suspect. Maybe he would have been better off going to college for one or two years. But one thing he is, two things he is, is he is a knockdown shooter and a freak athlete. And I have not seen him drive the ball and dunk on anyone or even dunk the ball, period, in a while. He's only getting four and a half shots a game. He's only getting four, sh- four and a half shots a game abrinas has been really big for them i think they missed him yesterday but i mean they brought off like nader off the bench like i don't think they're deep enough at the end of the day in the west like i think the nuggets are better than them i don't know i mean Jokic is incredible talk about that later
1: but that dude is so he's
0: so good and i don't i just like russ is not a winner he'll never win he'll never win anything it's just like his usual antics like he was score. You know, he was scoreless. He was so he was scoreless. They're down four, with about fifteen seconds left. Russ has been scoreless the entire fourth quarter. So he goes, he drives, puts his head down. Russ is shooting about sixty percent from the fat from the free throw line, and they're down four. And this is the NBA, with- and James Harden's on the other team. So. In the NBA, this is not college where you get a one one and you pray misses the first one and college guys can't shoot free throws. Like this is the NBA. You get two shots, and more times than not, they're gonna knock down two of them. So you put that into perspective, you're you usually you're gonna have to get two threes. So Russ puts his head down because he scores in the fourth quarter, gets a bailout foul. I don't even know if he got fouled on it, but he gets to the free throw line, makes the first one, misses the second one, they're down four. What you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And there he was. It froze out Paul George, and I just can't. I, I've, I've, I've never been a fan of Russell Westbrook. I, I, I think he ran out KD. I think he ran
1: KD out. I agree, but so City. now, what does that say about Paul George, who played with him so, last well, year? Been, and and I know what you said, but what does it say? Because I've got a, a a question again. Next game that we're gonna get to, actually, same player and Ben Simmons, which is what does that say about Paul George if he played with? Westbrook last year. He he knew that was his MO with Durant. It was clearly his MO last year. And here it is as the game is on the line and Russ is going to take over. And Paul George knew this when he signed the contract. So is he I, just happy being like a, happy. a great basketball player in a low-key environment? Out of the limelight and out of the spotlight. If I win, I win. If I I, don't, I don't. I've got a a shit ton of money and it's okay. I'm not inside this guy's head, but that's the only explanation. Like,
0: their last game together was in the playoffs against the Jazz. Russell Westbrook took 43 shots. 42. 42 or 43 shots. I was like, this dude's gone. He's gone. Why would you ever re-sign with some dude who took – I'm pulling up the box score right now. But 42 shots? in an elimination playoff game you out of your mind they lost the game too like are you kidding me and anyways he resigns and it's the same antics so i don't know i that's yeah I, I, that's the only explanation that he's just okay with it cuz he saw how he treated durant he saw how he treated him, him last year and he still signed a four year deal so that's the only explanation that he's okay with it okay i i i, I can't
1: I can't think of anything else to say. I I, I agree. That's why I brought it up. I'm going to pull the box score right now.
0: I had a, had a lot of tabs open, but this was not one of them. So. So, Russell Westbrook. You ready for this? So, Paul George. Take this with a grain of salt, because Paul George did have a horrific night. Like. Absolutely horrific. He was two of sixteen with five points in forty-five minutes. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that. He had eight assists, but
1: I got a New York Nick who went worse for that. Yeah, John Starks. Yeah, John Starks. <laughs> he he went, he went he pulled
0: John Starks. So playoff P did not show up in that game, and that's on him. But it doesn't. Nothing really tops. And if you guys remember, this was the game when Paul George kind of pumped fake, got the dude in the air, and leaned into him when the Thunder were down three and didn't get the foul call, and it was pretty controversial in the league. So. Russell Westbrook in this game was eight in 43 in 44 minutes was 18 to 43 from the field and seven of 19 from three with 46 points. So I was, I watched this entire game and Russ was steaming hot from three in the beginning. And I was like, Oh, okay. He's going off. And then he just kept like those walk-in threes, like walk-in threes and he, like airballed a few of them. It was disgusting. I mean, that game, Marcus, I,
1: I, Marcus smart. He check.
0: I watched that game and I was like, this dude's gone. Like there's, no, there's no other way. There's no way he can come back. Yet he came back. He came but back. kudos to him. He's having an amazing year, and I think he should definitely get more buzz. One thing, <laughs> one interesting stat from this game, in, and of course plus minus should definitely be taken with a grain of salt. But when it's this outrageous, I think it kind of says something. Carmelo Anthony in 26 minutes. They only lost the game by five minus 18, minus 19, in 26 minutes. I mean that. <laughs> it's like. Come on now, and LeBron, the Lakers do not need Carmelo Anthony. We'll get to that. LeBron, do
1: yourself a favor. You you don't want that.
0: So moving on to the next game, Sixers. Sixers. So we're officially done with the process. They're a full contender, and adding Jimmy Butler was a really good move for them. But you still kind of get the sense that they need one more guy in crunch time. And, first, first of all, let, let's which, just oh, which is kind of interesting second. though, because they're that one guy that. The, the one guy that everyone's referring
1: to who would replace is Wilson Chandler, who actually hit the big three. True. So, but but can we discuss for a second of all the games that were really being played yesterday? Mm-hmm. I think Houston OKC lived up to a lot of uh, its hype. It was a great game, yeah, whether was, or not you that liked was, the basketball no, no, that or not. Was better than I thought. It was yeah. a great basketball game. I, I think everyone was kind of skeptical about what was going to happen with the Lakers and the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, the highlight was going to be the Sixers and the Celtics and, that, yeah. and absolutely positively lived up tonight. Forget the fact that it went into OT, mm-hmm. but just an absolutely, absolutely awesome game. But I think, yeah, to your point, the process is over. Um, They're missing the one guy who they traded up to draft to round out yeah. what you and I have an argument about sometimes with respect to positionless basketball and, nice. and it's merits and everything. But you look at the Sixers, and they are a team with a true center, true wing, who's a kind of a point forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Jimmy Butler, fantastic shooting guard. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit to what you were saying with the box, and you can have um, JJ and, Jimmy. And, 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 yeah. and you got two guys back there who can shoot. Um, they are a really, really, really well-constructed team. Um, I can't. Not sure if they're going to be deep enough, which is I I think is going to be something to be seen, come a seven-game playoff series against Milwaukee, Toronto, the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, because you take a look at the Celtics last night and they roll nine guys out, mm-hmm. yeah. and they're all really, really, Sounds really like good. So deep, deep. Yeah,
0: I mean, so I heard. Zach Lowe this past week for the first time I heard someone say yeah maybe that maybe they shouldn't have traded Mikael Bridges and I was kind of the only guy on like draft night this was my initial take I was typing this on the train as I was going up to camp I didn't really I wasn't hearing anyone else's takes on it and kind of after I posted I got around to see that everyone was crushing the Suns for giving up an unprotected 2021 heat pick to get Mikael Bridges and and give up Zaire Smith, who's a freak athlete with tons of potential. Going back to last May, I was very down on Zaire Smith. I thought he had, limited, he had a limited skill set. He was just a freak athlete who was extremely raw. And I thought McHale Bridges, I prayed he got picked to the 76ers. It was the perfect story. His mom works in the organization, went to Nova, and he was exactly what they needed. A guy who can play the 3 or the 4, 3 and D guy, lengthy, gives, like, just a really good basketball player who you could plug in immediately to a contender. So, they drafted him. I was like, oh, great. There you go. Great pick. And then they trade him. It's like the biggest somber story ever. Like, he gets picked to his that mom's franchise. And then he gets shipped, they get shipped out to Phoenix. Yeah. And I was like, once I heard about the trade, I was like, Phoenix giving up that for to get, like, it's not that bad. Like, I love I love Mikhail Bridges. And everyone was like, oh, that's dangerous giving up that heat pick, which it is. I mean, that – unprotected pick who knows if the heat sucked that year that could end up being a top five pick i know but But that's 2021 and you're built to win now i understand it it made no sense to me for the sixers who the process is over you are win now you have Embiid, simmons jj they just resigned later that summer they would resign jj but it was no secret they were in win now mode to trade a guy who you could plug in immediately who would help them to this – would help them yesterday to trade that guy for a project, a raw, a raw project with l- very limited skills right now who's just a raw athlete and an unprotected pick three years down the road was mind-boggling to me. I didn't get it.
1: I don't I get, still it. Don't get and, it. And I think to your point, I think that they are missing that. Now, look, Wilson Chandler, fine. He stepped up, had a really, really good game. Um, but again, I mean, you take a look, this guy's been in the league for a really, really long time, bounced around a whole bunch of teams. Mm -hmm. I think this is maybe his 10th NBA season, um, solid. Mm -hmm. Okay. He, but he's not going to light it up consistently. So I I think that that's my one concern with them, particularly with Fultz going down and being injured and who knows what that's going to be. And you take a look at their roster. And unfortunately I I, I think they're kind of thin and it's going to be a problem when you get into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, um, that's yeah, definitely an issue for them.
1: I don't know. I think their
0: their starting five is as good as anyone's starting five, but as you know in the playoffs, you gotta have eight or nine guys you can roll out. I think their starting five is fantastic. They're so good, but th- I mean, so is the Celtics starting five, and so is the Raptors starting five. So like when you get to that level, All right, who's starting five do you take between Sixers and Celtics? I I had, this, Six I had, or this, Celtics I had this I had this debate with Sam, I had this debate with Sam. He was last before in the playoffs last year. It's impossible. It, it, who knows? Like, they are they're both so good. I alright, I would take So what are we so are we going best five or starting five? Because the Celtics best five, I don't think it's their starting five, but it's their best collective unit.
1: I'll throw you a bone and take your best collective unit. But the problem is, is we're go- we're talking about depth here, so that that collective unit well sort of throws out that argument.
0: Well, I mean, this I would I mean, obviously the Sixers' starting five is more talented, but I mean the Celtics you got Kyrie, Tatum, the Marcuses, and Horford is pretty good in its own right. To then bring all Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown off the bench, Rozier. Uh, uh, they're, they're well, crumb. again,
1: they, well, that that's the point we're saying, which is the Celtics are way deeper. I think, I think the Celt- I think people are having a hard time touching the Celtics in the playoffs.
0: I think they're my picks coming out of the East. Just they're so deep, and they've been there before. All mm-hmm. those dudes have been there before. Kyrie's so good. Kyrie has been there. Kyrie's won a championship and has hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. And Tatum, Brown, Rogier, they have all been there before. Like no one, this is not new to anyone. Right. And we saw what Brad was able to do, and he had the preparation. Actually, shut down Ben Simmons. So, we'll talk about Ben. Si- I mean, we're on the Sixers. Talk. Let's talk about Ben Simmons.
1: If he doesn't spend, well, by the way, let me. I saw had-
0: this. I learned this today. You know his shooting coaches, and I think take it as a grain of salt because he's actually a shooting coach. Apparently, okay. But his brother is his shooting coach. Okay. All what right. is? Come on. <laughs> There's a million shooting coaches in 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 the world that are like elite and like have proven results. It, it should
1: probably get outside your own house you he, should probably get outside your own house to find probably a shooting coach here's basically what he needs to do when the season is over he needs to get one of those shooting machines the gun he needs a gun i'm sure he has the gun okay. i'm sure he has access to a gun i know so i need what he basically needs to do is spend about 8 hours a day with the gun yeah. 2000 shots and just shoot i think he needs more than that i i he just got to learn how to shoot I, I can't it just, imagine it, it's that difficult. And it—it it just you've got so much unbelievable. It talent. just needs to be
0: respectable. It's the same thing with Giannis. I think if he has Giannis's mid-range game right now, like he's a whole new player.
1: Okay. He, he and I know you know this, but people listening to your podcast might not. Has not taken a three. Oh, his entire career. This year. No, he took 11 last year. He was 0 for 11. Oh, 0 for 11. I, yeah. he isn't, well, I know he hasn't made a three in his career. He yet. has not made a three in his career. He was 0 for 11 last year. He hasn't even attempted one this year. That said, he is now shooting 58% from the floor this year, <laughs> up from 54%. And everybody and their mother knows he can't shoot. So impressive. And he's score and he's I averaging me, 18, 18 and a half points to me, a game. That's a it's testament of how insane. It's a
0: testament how g- good he really is. I agree. Because the fact that like everyone knows you can't shoot, they literally don't pick him up until he crosses the foul line. Correct. And he's still averaging 18 and a half points per game on that efficiency is nuts. But with all that being said, we talked about this yesterday. His stats are the same from his rookie year to other oh, than
1: maybe become more efficient, they're pretty much the same. They're basically exactly the they're same. They're basically yep. exactly the same. So, but how much? In, but let's just devil's advocate for a second. How much improvement in his is everyone rookie else making? Year he had eighteen eight and eight, and he's eighteen eight
0: and nine. Like, but, I, I but mean, it's it's hard because every aspect of his game has improved. But it's the jump shot that's holding him back. Like right. his feel is better, his handle is better. He his the past. The, his vision is incredible, but the the his the lack of jump shot, like the lack of being a threat until you get into the paint, is what kills him. It's literally what kills him. They like, <laughs> he really, he had the ball isoed with four seconds left, tied game, and no one, everyone knew he was gonna pass it. He was gonna right. find some way to pass it. You can't have that if you're gonna be an elite player. Well, and it's cause he has that ceiling to be. I think he has the ceiling to be. I mean, I had him. I might have had him. Might have had him on my third team all NBA last year. Like, he has the ceiling to be a first or
1: second all NBA guy. But he is gonna need to get the jump shot. You now. gotta work. You got to work. You got to want it. And I I think I, I have to believe that somebody of his skill level, that if he spends the time. Remember, we've seen all these guys play in high school and in college. They are bigger, stronger, faster than their competition. They're smarter than their competition. They're not forced to step back and take jump shots. It's yeah. not until they get into the oh, pros. Right. If you
0: watch Benson in high school, it was a, it was a dunk show.
1: Right. He's so, just dunking everything. So he's never needed to do it. He's always been able to get to the basket, and what does every coach preach out there? Get to the lane. Yeah. Get to the basket. Get to the lane. So if that's what's going to go on, it's going to be hard to develop a jump shot. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, the fact that he didn't improve from last year to this year is a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Let's let us say it was a long grind, and between rookie and sophomore year, and body needed rest, et cetera. Let's see what happens in between the second and third year. If yeah. he doesn't do anything to enhance that, I'd be really disappointed.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, when he was coming into league, league, he was one of my favorite players. I know. That, the IQ is off the charts, and the passing ability, the vision. He sees everything. He, nothing gets by him. He sees everything, and he has the capability to make
1: every pass. Every pass you've ever seen, he's capable of making it. He can be the next LeBron. It depends on whether or not he's got the fire. Stop. Stop. Why? Stop. Why does he not have the ability? If he can develop a jump shot and score and and go 25. If you're telling me that if he can't. Sorry. This this is what we talked about with Giannis. You can't just develop a jump shot, it comes
0: with time. Yes, I understand that. LeBron was miles ahead of him. LeBron was shooting turnaround, fadeaway, one legged jump shots in high school. I'm not arguing that. I'm, I'm not one, saying I'm he's going to be there no, next I'm, year. This is, no, this is what I'm sick and tired of. People saying he can be the next LeBron. I'm tired of people saying he can be the next Kobe. I'm tired of people saying he can be the next Shaq. No. No. You can't. You can't. I, and I'm, I hate it when people say, two years into the league, this guy has so much time out of him. Let him figure it out and be his own player. No, I understand that. But let
1: me ask you a question. If he ends up five years from now, Okay, but developing not... a jump shot and, and, and going 25-9-9. Yeah. Nine and nine, That's not but if you're gonna ask
0: No, if you're going to compare him to an NBA legend, how are you not comparing him to Magic Johnson? If you're putting his ultimate ceiling, like his sky, not even mm-hmm. talking about his ceiling, it's beyond the ceiling. It's his sky. Okay. I, I don't even know what I'm going to call it. It's Magic Johnson. It's not LeBron. Okay. So stop calling him and I feel so stupid saying he can even become Magic Johnson. That's so stupid. Why are we doing this? Because it's fun. Fair. Alright, last thought on the Sixers though. <laughs> How good is JJ Redick? And he only listen, gets
1: better as he gets older. I'm it's incredible. Fanboy. Yeah. I'm I am a fanboy. Mm-hmm. I love watching that guy play. And listen, I know that he's so good. He was one of your favorite players yeah, he as, was. as a he kid. Was. And you talk about a guy who does it right, um, works his Ass off. Mm-hmm. That guy comes around more screens and through more screens yeah. and and uh, doesn't stop working to yeah, get a job. I think shot. people are starting to give him
0: his due credit. I mean, he works so hard off the ball. His, the shots he makes off bounds,
1: hand in space, ridiculous. Yeah. The last one, flying into the stands from the corner, <laughs> <quarter laughs> was a little
0: much, but. I think it, were I, it was either in the fourth.
1: I think it was fourth quarter. I think quarter. it was fourth
0: quarter overtime. He was sprinting the lane. Sprinting his lane from like opposite corner to, to opposite corner at full speed, caught it in the corner and was literally <laughs> fading like into the tunnel and like shot it. And it was short; it was online. But it was online. The, the degree of difficulty of the shots that he makes on a consistent night in night
1: out basis is ridiculous. I, I think he's fantastic, and I think he is from a leadership standpoint mm-hmm. for that team. Is from a veteran leadership standpoint, is a huge bonus to them. Um, and I think to be able to have a guy like that. For Simmons to find on an open look for M B to be able to kick out to, to have a guy like that out there is phenomenal. And honestly, I, I won't say he's getting better and better with age, but I, I think you take a look at his shooting percentage. I think he's pushing. This year's actually been a little bit of an off year for him. Um, from three, he's only about thirty six percent. But um, yeah, but it's a difficulty. I know. Yeah. All right, moving on to Celtics.
0: So, would you rather have? Let's. I'll pose a scenario. You're down... I think if you're down... You're down two. You pick any guy in the NBA. Who do you want?
1: There's three guys I have, and I can't pick between the three of them. So your three guys are going to be KD, mm-hmm. Kyrie, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to give it to him because he's kind of been clutch a little bit in the last couple of playoffs, and LeBron. No, I know LeBron, went. But... Probably should have though. It's kind of just. He's hit some good shots yeah, he last has. year. He, has. he hit some I, really big shots I, I, last year. I
0: had, I just had Harden in mind just because he's impossible to stop. Okay, that's fine. But, yeah. Okay, we'll throw LeBron in there.
1: Okay. <laughs> Who's my number one? Yeah. It's Who's impossible, but I don't. I I've got to go. I'm gonna go between KD and Kyrie. Yeah, that's only I, because that was, that's they they've
0: done it consistently. Kyrie, you just you know, he's gonna hit it. Like you have the utmost confidence that he's gonna hit it. Mm-hmm. It's incredible his finishing he is so good I'm so happy the Wizards fans are finally seeing what he can really do because I'm sick and tired of this debate that does not exist it does not exist anywhere else in the country except in the beloved DMV this John Wall Kyrie Irving debate is the dumbest debate it, I can't stand it and when I tell you I think I've told this before but I literally my freshman year this was 2 years ago Kyrie Irving's last year on the Cavs No one really knew what he was capable of. So I had to go in there and defend him every day against these. I don't even know how to describe them. These Wizards fans who. Homers. It's straight home. Homer is an understatement. I mean, these guys. And I had to defend him. And now Kyrie is finally showing everyone he can do. He's
1: unreal. He is unreal and beyond clutch. He really is. And I got to see him play the other night when he was in town. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was really a lot of fun. He has he has that energy he's got a swag with the you know his his jersey on Jer- top jersey on top jersey it's it, it is fantastic to yeah. watch and he was again crazy clutch last night so clutch i mean clutch so i i think him him and KD are my two number ones for that so i do i want to props to Brad Stevens
0: for changing the starting lineup event at the beginning and everyone was talking about this all offseason they're looking forward to Kyrie, Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, and Horford. And we all fantasized about it. We never really thought about how it was going to work. I mean, Jalen Brown struggled a little bit in the new role. And Gordon Hayward, a former all-star, his boy from Butler. And he really made the best decision for the team, cut his former ties, and inserted the Marcuses into the starting lineup. And they just bring different energy, different grit, a different hunger. And bringing those two guys off the bench is insane in today's mba so props to brad and the team's been playing a lot better since the change well those two guys are dogs they're dogs i mean they're dogs
1: so some two
0: people i definitely do not want to play against definitely no, not want those play against those, guys. those
1: two guys both marcuses are and i hate to util- utilize the term but they are old school basketball players yeah They could have played... You all talk about people who could have played played in multiple generations. These guys could have played in the 80s with Oakley and Ewing and the bad Pistons, bad boys, Mm -hmm. and Mourning. Those guys could have played in that era, no doubt about it. And I think, to your point, they bring a toughness to that team that most other teams don't really have. Yeah, yeah. Especially bully you.
0: Especially when you're stars like Tatum, this little pretty boy, Kyrie, more finesse. Even Horford is more of a stretch guy. Like, they... They're willing to bang with anybody. I love it. Yep. So, last thing of the Celtics before we move on to the last game, I don't really know what to do with this. I don't even know what answer I'm looking for. But here are the picks that the Celtics have in this year's draft. They go, they have either the Sixers top one protected or the Kings top one protected. Definitely going to take the Kings one on that one, which is kind of looking like right now it's 12 13, but it's yeah. going to end up being a top five, uh, not top five, top 10 pick. Grizzlies pick if it falls outside the top eight, which is looking very likely right now with the way the Grizzlies are playing. Clippers pick if it falls outside the top 14, which is also looking very likely right now. Do I think they're going to finish first or second in the West? No, but it's going to be outside the top 14. I think they are definitely going to be a playoff team. I I think they're going to be a playoff team. And then the Celtics own pick. So that is potentially
1: four first-round picks. Probably somewhere between – you'll have three somewhere between – Eight well, two somewhere between probably eight and thirteen. Yeah, and then and you'll then have another a, a one on the back and end and the twenty and, and you know twenty. 20. Right. What do you even do with that? Do what he's done every single year: package draft them. one and package him for somebody else. It's incredible. You you don't first of all you don't know the roster space no, for, for those for guys. guys. Um, so I, I think that goes without saying. I think I I thought it was just interesting the question that. is what do you, what are they missing? What
0: well, do you so want to so see I, them add? So I. I think Keldon Johnson's the guy for them. Well, you can get that with the Kings pick, probably. Yeah, I think Keldon Johnson's the guy for them. Because you don't need another score. You have a plethora of scores. You need a guy who's going to bring some passion and dog. And we know Keldon Johnson, for those guys not really watching college basketball right now, Keldon Johnson brings fire to the game. Like, he, he gives a shit. Like, he cares. He plays Lockdown D. He's shooting... 44% 44% from three this year, which is incredible. That was his one not coming into the year. Huge Kelvin Johnson fan. You're a huge Kelvin Johnson fan. Love that guy. I think he's like the
1: guy that they could really benefit. So, but here's my question to you Is he a dramatically different player that than Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown? It's hard. I don't know. I don't know who they. <laughs>
0: It's just they, they're so deep at each position, so you're going to have to add, like, some position is going to have to be overstocked.
1: But I, so this comes back to our conversation, which I kind of feel they're somewhat overstocked in that wing. Cause again, you can you go would, back to Ainge's whole philosophy yeah, I know, of positionless I basketball? I, I would, he's
0: a two. And you, you can always be overstocked at the guard spot.
1: You think How tall need, is
0: he? He's 6'5. He can guard twos and threes. Twos and threes. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting for them. We'll cover that more when we do more draft stuff. But moving on to the last game, trying to wrap this up. So, but this is the game we have a lot to talk about. Probably should put this one first. We got to way too much time on the Knicks. <laughs> um, so the Lakers Warriors, a roller coaster of a game. Because it was the Lakers jumping out to the quick lead, Warriors kind of playing like playing horrible basketball, and then. They start to pick it up. LeBron goes down, and you're like, oh, it's a Warriors game. They cut it to two or three. And it looked like they were going to run away at the game. And then Lakers, the young core just comes surging back. Zubac, really good. Kuzma was really good. And Rondo. Rondo kind of carried them. Rondo's a gamer. He's a gamer, yeah. I mean, I just they need to keep that young core together at all costs. I would strongly, strongly advise trading two of cuz that's what's going to get that's what's going to take to get a guy like Bradley Beal. I it, let's say they traded I don't even think the Warriors would do this, but just in theory if they traded Ingram and Kuzma for Clay well that'll never happen. So let's let's Okay, decide. fine. But let's talk Bradley Beal cuz that's more realistic, right?
1: They go Kuzma Ingram for Bradley Beal. I would do that. Only because, again, your window with LeBron is only so, so big. Yeah, but I don't... And, I, is, and, you're, Lonzo, and you're, it's a two-for-one. Yeah, but is Lonzo,
0: is Lonzo ready to be the point guard of a championship team?
1: No, but Lonzo's not really the point guard of the championship LeBron. team. Rondo's a role player on a championship team because you no, still have LeBron. I said Alonzo. I meant Lonzo, but whatever. Lonzo's my point. Because you still have LeBron. You have LeBron. I think Bradley Bill's a
0: unique situation. I, like, if... Like, were they... I just think, like... You have that core they all like each other. They all play really well with each other. And I think it's a scenario where it's like when LeBron leaves, you're not gonna re-sign him after he leaves. I think I don't know if they're gonna re sign him.
1: All depends on whether or not they draft Bronny.
0: All the yeah, that's true. That's
1: it. But like they're they're so good
0: together. Kuzma is so good. I think Kuzma is like a twenty four point per game score in his future. Hart is a really good two way player and really good finisher. Ingram who even knows that you can get at him? And I love Lonzo. I always love Lonzo.
1: I think it's a similar to, I think, what the Sixers did. I think it's a really well-constructed team. Mm-hmm. The question is, is what do you have to give up in order to win now? Because that's what you're doing with, with James. Yeah. That's not what the Sixers did. The Sixers forego all of that mm-hmm. to build this young team with, from within. Yeah. Um, I don't know, they just, they're in a big dilemma because like by
0: acquiring LeBron, you're in win-now mode, but the rest of the team is not in win-now mode. It's a team full of guys on the rookie contracts and guys on expiring contracts. That's not exactly a team built to win a championship or even compete for a championship. So while the talent, I think, is there, in the future they can definitely be a contender, I think they're at least two years away with this
1: roster. Well, that to me is a perfect fit if you can convince well, Anthony Davis, yeah, to play da- out his contract. If he can play out his contract, and well, they're you not going to do that. Sign a it's four not Anthony year- Davis. Yes, it is the Pelicans. Well, Anthony Davis doesn't have to sign anywhere else afterwards. No, it's the Pelicans realizing that Anthony Davis is not going to come back,
0: maybe because he said, "Yeah, I don't care about the money. I care about my legacy, which is AKA I don't care about your supermax. I want the Correct. championship." That So they recognize that Pelicans are not going to get nothing for Anthony Davis. That'd be the biggest travesty in the history of basketball.
1: Okay, but just right. So but think about it from this standpoint. You get nothing for Anthony Davis. First of all, no, you could do they could you could see a, a, a Paul George Kawhi situation whereby going into next year. There's one year left on his contract. They trade him to somebody who's willing to take a shot. Lakers are like, you know, we're not going to give up all our pieces for this because we think he's going to come to us because we're L.A. and we've got LeBron. And now Anthony Davis signs as a true free agent. He can still get a four-year deal for almost $50 million. And And now all of a sudden you – but think about that. So now you keep your whole core intact. Now you have Anthony Davis and LeBron. And when LeBron's done, you still have Anthony Davis with Abram, um, Kuz, and Ball.
0: Yeah, but here – Here's I mean, I know gonna, it's
1: fantasy land, but that's here's what I'm
0: going to tell you why that can't work. The only team, the Lakers are going to put in a trade offer for Anthony Davis. There's no denying that. Correct. The only team with something better to offer than the Lakers the Celtics. is the Celtics. Is Anthony da- are, are the Celtics really going to trade for Anthony Davis, and would he really not re-sign with them? Because I think the Celtics, you add Anthony Davis, the Celtics are in a much better position well, to win a championship than the Lakers. I are. would trade
1: five draft. I would trade all four of their draft picks from this year for Anthony Davis, if you can. If they you have, can get him to they sign.
0: have. They could trade Jalen Brown, couple draft
1: picks, Rozier. I don't know if that does. But it. why are you got it? But again, I hate this whole notion that these teams sit here and gut. What they have that provides the the success that provides their for depth, Anthony Davis. It doesn't matter. It's Anthony Davis. I get that it's Anthony Davis, that's, but I, these no. teams no. gut their teams, you and, you, and you and and all of a sudden, sure. So you get Anthony Davis, and it's fantastic. But Anthony Davis and LeBron can't win alone. So when you trade Anthony Davis, no, that's for, why I'm saying no one else is going to offer that. No one else is gutting their team to just get a lone Anthony Davis. The Celtics are
0: Yeah, the Celtics are gonna go. What are
1: what are the Lakers? If if the Lakers trade Hart, Coos, and Lonzo. I that's my point. The only team in the NBA that has enough to trade for
0: Anthony Davis is, is the Celtics.
1: If you if they're willing to accept the draft picks. Yeah. I
0: don't know. That's that's interesting. I don't know. Because so I said the Pelicans, I was only one who base I was one of the few people who were like, That buddy heel trade is gonna come back to haunt them. Because you're trading for Boogie on an expiring deal to play alongside Anthony Davis, and you just gave up your shooting guard that you just right. picked when you're the worst three-point shooting team in the entire NBA. Boogie gets injured, doesn't resign, and rest like rest of history. I don't know. I think that's the problem, though, is that they can't get – they're going to struggle to get a free agent because allegedly there's this theory going around that no one wants to sign to play with LeBron, which I think is real. Why would you? Looking, taking a look at Kevin Love, taking a look at Kyrie. Kyrie had to get his way out of there. And we're talking about if Kevin Love stays in Minnesota, regardless of championships, statistics-wise, he's probably one of the best power forwards to ever play. Agreed. Just based off stats, you know, taking out the rings, taking out the legacy, because would not would have won anything. He wouldn't have won anything in Minnesota.
1: But just statistics-wise, he's probably one of the best power forwards in the game. Well, he was a almost a 20 and 15 guy yeah. in Minnesota. So, what did you think about the game, though, yesterday? I thought, I mean, I
0: don't, there's, I kind of said everything at the game from the Lakers' perspective. What I took away from the game from the Warriors' perspective is Draymond needs to get back in the lab and work on a jump shot. He doesn't look at the rim. Like, it was hard to watch. As a guy who's advocated for Draymond, and look, this is coming from a guy who loves Draymond. Like, I love the intensity. I recognize and appreciate everything he brings to the team. But, He's averaging below eight points per game right now. Eight points—he's not even averaging eight points a game. He doesn't look at the rim. He's a non-threat, and I just feel like he took this like role player thing too far. Like, at, there was a point in time he was averaging fourteen and a half points a game. He's taking seven shots a game. That's like—I don't know. That's like—I was. I asked the guys on the team today how much would you pay Draymond, and they were like, "Oh, I'd pay him. I'd pay him twenty-five million dollars." Pay him what? Granted, those are guys in the basketball team, but you pay Draymond what? How much would you pay Draymond right now? You're the Knicks. How much would you pay Draymond? In free agency. Let's just say it's not just a hypothetical. He's a free agent this summer. How much would you offer him?
1: He's gonna get twenty five. He's gonna I'd, sh- I'd struggle to give him twenty. But let's think about this from a standpoint. So what do what's the salary cap? Hundred and hundred. twenty hundred million, million dollars, probably. Uh, no, I think it's. Uh, no, it's got to be more than more that. Than you got but yeah, guys but there's, a bunch, f- of, there's know, a bunch of there's a bunch of exceptions. where you guys but, go over the cap. No one, again, no
0: one stays below. The cap. But
1: if max guys are signing in free agency for somewhere between forty and forty five million dollars, and the well, supermax guys, that's not, that's not. And the supermax guys, guys are going guys almost. Are not 50. Maxing at forty five. They are. No, they're not. Or they're not. Thirty five. Okay, yeah, that's a okay, big fine. difference. We want to call thirty five. Yeah, it's a big difference. Okay. So max guys are at thirty five. Okay, twenty? Twenty two? I'm just saying that's a lot of money. I know, but I think that's money. just the world that we live in. And my other takeaway, what would you give Calais? Well you put that tweet I put out that yesterday on and I, I hit the, the mark. The majority of the people said below twenty five. I hit the mark at twenty five.
0: So Paul George is signing his average salary is thirty four, and that was the max. That was the max. Okay. So not the super max. The super max is the Russell Westbrook and the John Wall. That John Wall contract that gets him that's paid. That's a good contract. Forty seven million dollars at age. <laughs> good job, Ernie. In, in the thirties. Yeah. Shout out, Ernie Grunfeld. But I don't know. like. They have stuff. If KD, they need to re-sign KD, and they need to do. Everything well, they don't have in their a power. choice.
1: That that's not that's, their choice. I know, but like, but, but when you without, take a look at how they played last night, okay. Whereby they showed up for one quarter of defense. Yeah. They played no defense last night. No defense. Is this something that you worry about right now? No. It's one game. Okay. I don't think they're as
0: good as they were two years ago, but I think... Look, I think the Celtics are going to give them... Like, they're not walking through the finals this year. They're not walking through the playoffs. They're not walking through the finals. I think they get through the West easier than they have in last year because... The West is deep, but there's not one team that's gonna challenge them. Like there's not okay, you knew it was gonna be Houston, Golden State. Like Houston is significantly worse than they were last year. Oklahoma City, you don't you don't know what you're gonna get night in, night out. Nuggets are young. Clippers, they're the Clippers. Like, and the Lakers are full of young guys, so you don't know. I think they're gonna get through the West pretty easy, but <laughs> I think the Celtics, whether it's Celtics, Sixers, Bucks, or Raptors are going to give them a run in the finals. They're not They're not sweeping anybody in the finals. They're not walking through anybody in the finals this year. Like, they're going to have to play four quarters of good basketball
1: every game to win the finals this year. I know you're not making predictions, but while we're on it, do they win it? I think they win it just based off, like,
0: them, their talent, and their experience. They've done it before. They know what it takes. But, like, it's concerning that they just do this and its it, we've been saying this. How do you get your guys motivated every night? And, yeah, it's Christmas against LeBron James. You you would think you get hyped up for that. At home. At home, you'd think you'd get hyped up for that. But these guys just have a light switch mentality. And I think it's not, it's not a good way for them to play. And I think everyone in the NBA has a light switch mentality. You pick and choose when you want to play defense. You pick and choose when you want to go hard. You pick and choose when you want to leak out for a dunk versus when you want to box out. Everyone in the NBA does it, but the extent to which they play as a team by this light switch is kind of concerning.
1: So I'm looking at something just curious to see. So this year they're averaging (laughs) their wins by about five points a game. Mm -hmm. Last year were six points. And the year before that they were winning by 11.5.
0: And yeah, that was – well, that that was – That was the 67. Step, that was, no, that was the 67 oh, that was the 67?
1: Yep. On the 73, they won by 11. So I think at the end of the day, it's – I think to your point, it's hard for them to get motivated every single night in and night out. Mm-hmm. But it is a little bit concerning, again, that Steph does not show up in big games.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think Steph's the best point guard in the league by far. I think he's a top three player in the league, but his... I mean, and we said he he could he could have gotten finals MVP last year. I think if he doesn't have that game where he goes one for 11, he gets finals MVP. But his... He hasn't showed up for... I mean, he has not played to his peak in three of the four finals.
1: Mm-hmm. And... Eight, according, according, and according, according to ESPN. Eight. According to
0: ESPN, in eight Christmas games, <laughs> he has not played well either. So... I I just think it's a byproduct of the defense he's facing. It's not. Trust me. Steph Curry does not get rattled by the big lights. It's In the NBA, players put forth more effort in certain games than they do in others. And when you put forth more effort, you play harder defense, you play scrappier defense, and you play more physical defense. A guy like Steph Curry, who is a sh- snipe, like, sniper shooter and is very crafty in the lane but is not big, He's short and scrawny. So he's going to play, inevitably, his worst basketball against physical defense. That physical defense happens in the playoffs, the finals, and when they try during the regular season, which is Christmas. So I think that's – trust me, Steph Curry does not get rattled by the bright lights. He knows he's the best shooter to ever touch a basketball. He knows that. And he plays like that every game. So I don't think it's a him problem. I just think it's the opponents and how they're playing him. That's my take on it. Okay. I think we covered everything, went a little bit longer than expected, so we'll touch on some draft stuff later on at a different time. Stay tuned for some articles on jakeinthepaint.com, and everyone hope you had happy holidays, and stay tuned for some more content in the new year. And remember, always follow me on social media, on Instagram, jakeinthepaint with an underscore, and then on Twitter, just add jakeinthepaint to keep up with all my stuff.
1: So thank you guys for tuning in, and see you guys soon.